And that awful, clarifying, stressful moment really hammered home to me how much our success personally and professionally is dependent on the people that we surround ourselves with. I am unwilling to give up that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out. Knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control. 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 Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders. We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm so excited for my next guest. I cannot even wait to introduce you all to her. I've been, I've only recently gotten to know Anne a little bit from this amazing group that we're both a part of called The List. Anne is the founder of New Power Media and former editor-in-chief of Seventeen Magazine, which is a magazine that I grew up with. And I watched you from afar and was just just totally in awe of, of all that you were doing. And, and, uh, anyway, let's be we'll... clear. There's no way you were reading Seventeen Magazine <laughs> when I was the editor. I was the editor in the um, I know, sort of but in the but, 20, 20, 2007 to 2015. So there's no way you were reading it. But my daughters were. And I mean, it's just such, it's just such a great book. I'm still such a magazine fan at coming from starting my career in magazines. So uh, really exciting. But anyway, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. In addition, she is the author of an amazing book called The Big Life, a guide for ambitious young women who are changing what it means to be powerful and successful in the world. And the book's message of building a life on your own terms has connected to so many women of all ages. It's so, so good. So you should definitely pick up a copy of that. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But Anne, throughout her entire career, has been a champion for women. And most recently, as I mentioned, she acquired The List, this group that we are both a part of. And it is a pioneering social networking platform for women. She's appeared also regularly on Good Morning America, Oprah, CNN, tons of amazing, amazing stuff. Oh, and a guest judge for four seasons of America's Next Top Next Top Model. I did not know that, Anne. I love doing this for that. Oh, wow. That's that's amazing. So anyway, great to have you here. And she's also, she's a New Yorker. She is uh, living in a snowy environment at the moment and even came on to uh, hang out with us, which I'm so excited about. She's also a mom and I love, uh, I always love hearing from people who are doing great careers and also being great parents too. So anyway, welcome, welcome, Anne. Very excited to have you here. I'm sitting here, snowy New York City, watching the snowfall. The kids have been locked in their rooms, banished to their rooms so that they don't make any noise during this podcast because we're all home now during uh, coronavirus quarantine. I'm working from home. My husband's working from home. My kids are doing school from home. We're doing podcasts from home. We're doing video from home. Everything is happening here in this snowy corner of of New York City. 
Well, it, we are very excited to have you here for sure. So, so walk me through the early years of Anne. So where were you? Where'd you grow up? All that kind of stuff. So I grew up um, outside of Philadelphia and then in Littleton, Colorado. And it, I was always this like suburban kid and desperate to move to New York City. Like by the time I was 16 years old, I just had hearts and stars in my eyes for New York City. And it was the ultimate. So as fast as I could, I went to NYU, which really was really, it's like a soft landing in New York City, right? It's like you get, you get indoctrinated easily. But once I was here, I've never left. I've been here, I've been in New York City now for um, 30 years, and this is my home. It's such a great place. And so did you start out in journalism? I did. I, when I got out of college, we were having a terrible recession, much like when millennials got out of college, much like this next generation when they're going to get out of college, if they go to, if they can afford to go to college. And I had gotten a degree in English literature and thought I might write novels. And I, and there was no way that I could pay New York City rents and spend time becoming a novelist. So I thought, okay, great. I will get a job at a magazine. Get a job, any job is frankly my philosophy. Although I didn't know that at the time, I just needed to get a job and pay my rent. Um, and I started out at this trade magazine for lawyers called The American Lawyer, which actually turned out to be such a huge benefit. The, it was run by this legendary journalist, Stephen Brill, who among his great qualities, one, he's a fantastic journalist and two, great about journalistic ethics. So I really got an amazing journalism education working there. Um, I also learned that it, that law and the business of lawyers is really terribly boring and very quickly, <laughs> very quickly shifted gears. Um, I got a job working for a teen magazine, um, writing. How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn, quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip, Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. 
no English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. About legal issues for teenagers, like curfew and voting rights. And it was a really, it was a really fun newspaper for teens. But it was there that I realized that I really love that moment in your life where you're becoming who you are meant to be, right? That Mm -hmm. the world is open for you to explore. And that resonated with me then, resonates with me now, this idea that anything is possible and you can make your dreams come true. And I really loved that message. And so, so from one teen news magazine, I went to the launch team of Cosmo Girl. And it was the late 90s in New York City. And 
everybody was launching something, right? I went to some new dot-com launch once a week. And frankly, we were in the stage where the more lavish the party, the faster you knew that company was going to flame out. But it was Mm -hmm. fun. Oh my gosh, the late 90s in New York City was like just energetic and parties and everybody was just having a great time. I loved it. Um, So I went to join the launch team of Cosmo Girl. We worked like maniacs to create this magazine out of thin air. I slept under the conference table. I worked around the clock. I worked weekends. It was an intense slog, but just like any intense job, once you've invested so much of your time and energy in it, you really want to stay. And so I stayed in that job. I stayed at that company for eight years, um, helping to craft this magazine because I felt like the way we were talking to teenagers about their possibility in the world was not something that anybody else was doing. I love, I love that. So you were, I mean, in many ways it was a startup, right? I mean, that was kind of your first taste of, you know, living in a startup world probably. I mean, it's, it's so interesting. You and I were talking before we hit record how, you know, this is kind of your first one, but in so many ways, I bet you'll look back at that time as just a major learning, especially when you're trying to figure out what to do. I mean, you were probably, I mean, even though it was part of Cosmo, I mean, it was, it really was kind of on its own, correct? So I loved working for a big, like having the safety net of a big media company. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I had also launched my own website. It's actually funny at 25 years old, my website made it into the New York times, which I, which it was pretty fantastic at the the time at the time. But every single time that I did a startup, right. Had my own, had my own website, but I had a job that paid the bills, right. I had a Mm -hmm. traditional job that paid the bills. I did a startup for Hearst magazines, which is a great safety net and a great place to start to start a business, right? They gave us Mm -hmm. a lot of support. And I really enjoyed the power that came with when I became editor-in-chief of Seventeen. It was a much different feeling. Like when we were starting Cosmo Girl, we felt like we were climbing a mountain. Like we were the scrappy underdog trying to prove that we like could make our way in the world. And when I got to Seventeen, this iconic, legendary brand that you loved when you were a teenager, that your daughter loved when she was a teenager that really had such a huge impact on so many women's lives. In fact, there's almost no one I've met who doesn't tell me that they loved 17 and that it was important to them. It was a much different feeling to go from this scrappy underdog feeling to running what was such an iconic, beloved brand. I didn't have to convince anyone about the power of 17. I didn't have to, like, we had such a shorthand to get to like what it was. Nobody needed mm-hmm. to be explained to them what it was or what it was our point of view on the world. And I write in my book that I really feel like every young woman, every young person should have that experience of starting something where you're doing everything just to know mm-hmm. that you can, um, but also to have the experience of taking your ideas to a place where there's a lot of money and a lot of resources to really see them fly. I think mm-hmm. it's a, I think that both there's tremendous benefits on both sides of that coin. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting. I mean, one of the things that I uh you're just at the beginning of this of this journey right now for for launching your company, but I it's funny because just so many things along the way in in building my company hint, I found that there were pieces 
that even my first startup when I moved to Silicon Valley, where it was very different than the companies that I had worked for in New York. And uh, it was five guys in an office, not in a garage, but they were all you know, no one was wearing suits. It was in jeans and t-shirts and ideas came from anywhere. It didn't matter what your title was or, you know, what your education level was, if you had creative ideas. And it was just, it was eye-opening for me. And so when I ultimately went and start my own company, I mean, now I look back on my days and there's just pieces that I pull from all these different places. And people are like, how did you know how to do that? And I think, to your point, too, about learning a little bit about everything. I mean, as you get bigger, the main reason why I hire people is not because I don't know how to do the job, but because I hire people who love doing the job and maybe know how to do it better and really can direct their efforts towards doing that job to scale. Absolutely. Right? And But you have to know, I mean, in order to be a leader and in addition to some of the other stuff you and I were talking about before this started, um, where, you know, it's a new thing every single day that comes about. I mean, I know how to code a little bit. I know how to do SEO a little bit. Like, But I have people I actually know a bit about podcasting and, and the technology behind it. But I have people that once you have resources that can do it better. But I think it also, that's ultimately how you're able to scale and frankly stay as CEO of, right. in your role too, because you actually can, you know, keep up with what people are saying. So anyway. right. you're the decision maker. And how do you make decisions if you don't have some insight and knowledge into what you're, what you're working on? I always find that whenever I can't make a decision, whenever I find myself sort of stuck, why can't I make this decision? It's because I don't have enough information yet. And I'm, I'm always like looking for the experts who, who knows what I need to know so that yeah. I can figure out how to guide and make the decision to move us forward. And I bet you're like me, you also jump in. I mean, something we talk about, actually, I've talked in a lot of interviews about this at the beginning of the pandemic, we're an essential product. And so we were, while everybody was telling their employees to shelter in place, I was saying, here's your N95 mask and your gloves and your hand sanitizers, you're still working. And I had people on my team who have worked for me for a long time and said, are you trying to kill me? And wow. truly, and which was, you know, it hit me really hard. And the way that I knew how to manage, because I had never been through a pandemic before, was to put on my N95 mask and my gloves and go out and start merchandising in Target stores. And so that's what I did. I, I you know, jumped in because I wanted to make sure that it was safe for my employees. And so I took on a route and then I started saying, hey, you know, like certain hours of the day in stores are not great. But what I found is if you go in before 7 a.m. and then come back home, take a nap or whatever you need to do, it's just much better because there's no people in the stores at that time. And if you can get in before the stores open, then it's really not bad. So you bring in a different level maybe of strategy along the way and comfort, but when they see their leader willing to jump in, I, I think that that's another component and actually, you know, roll up their sleeves and say, okay, this isn't that hard. Let's go figure this out. Right. And I know you enough to say that I'm sure you would do the same thing if, if somebody was really struggling. Well, I'm, I'm sitting here in awe of this story you're telling about how you had to lead during the pandemic 
And I'm trying to imagine it's, you know, we're a year in now, right? And our lives have changed so dramatically and we have been tested in ways that we never could have imagined, right? The, The way in which you led your team through those early days where you had to figure out the process and the procedure and what was safety and deal with everybody's mental health and the stress that everybody is under at a personal level and the health of your company to keep you moving forward. It's a monumental undertaking. And, and I'm one, I'm in awe of you. I really, I'm really, I think that it's, you would do the same thing, right? You, you would do the same thing, but it's all those times. It's the sleeping under the desk at, you know, Cosmo Girl. It's just the things that you, along the way, you recognize that you don't always have all the answers, but if you keep moving forward and if you bring comfort to the team, you're going to be able to figure out whether or not it's possible, right? And 100%. Right. And I think that that's the, that that's the, you know, key thing that I've learned along the way. And then also there's things that I, you know, I, I can't actually, re- I can't relate to somebody, to, to a parent having young kids and homeschooling during this time when you have a boss that is, that is saying, no, you need to work during this time. And you've got kids running in, doing your Zoom, call, it, whatever it is, because my kids are older and I've done a lot of things, but I haven't done that. My kids, my youngest is 15. And so, and he's kind of, he does his own thing, right? I mean, he's, you know, we eat dinner, you know, like he checks in and he's pretty self-sufficient. But if my kids were four, like that's a whole new world, but I get it. I can visualize it, but I can't fully um, understand. So it's a whole new level. And again, where I've seen, you know, it's just hard. It's a, it's a hard time. You know, the, the pandemic was so clarifying to me, not at first, at first it was, um, it was it was nerve wracking and panic inducing, and I spent a, I spent really a couple of weeks kind of just staring at the walls, thinking to myself, I had just launched I had just launched New Power Media at the end of 2019 with a vision for connecting the next generation of leaders to companies that wanted to see their power rise and to see them succeed, and here we were by March. Um, I had just gotten some wind under my wings, some clients um, ready to sign. And suddenly, budgets were frozen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hiring was frozen. We were all staring at the walls. But what I learned from those early days of the pandemic was how important community was. How I went, I have a, um, I'll, I'll back into acquiring the list, but I have a community of of young women that I run. We call them the badass babes. And they came, they sprung from the book, um, The Big Life. And I call them badass babes because they're the kind of women that you want to be around. They're young and they're pioneering and they're, and they're brave and they're rewriting the rules for power and success. I love it. And I sort of have this, I have, I had hosted for years, hosted dinners around my dining room table when the pandemic hit. I did a series of Zoom dinners with these young women and we just talked about what were the changes that were going on? How did we navigate being alone? Many of them are, they're early in their careers and many of them are single um, or they're living with roommates that they had to navigate their health and wellness around living with someone who was not their partner. They were very often, you know, early mid-career 
laid off or furloughed early on. And we would, we would, the dinners were kind of open-ended. How can we just be there for each other? Mm -hmm. For my own community, the list, which I was a member of for five years before I acquired it, we had a series of sort of a Friday afternoon Zoom get-togethers where we were able to be there for each other as colleagues, as peers, as friends, and to talk through what were those complicated issues. Very many of the women on the list are speakers, and all of those speaking fees dried up. They were, they were their consultants and their their contracts were frozen. And just to be in each other's company and not to have the answers, but to be able and or but maybe to illuminate a corner of the problem for each other. Listen, I, I can't help you with the whole problem you're going through, but if you need somewhere safe to live, I've got a friend um, who lives in the next town over who I is, love that who is renting their house out. Or if you need to go and stay at your to be close to your parents, but you can't live in their house. Somebody, I know somebody in this town who can be a connection for you. And we were just there for each other. And that awful, clarifying, stressful moment really hammered home to me how much our success personally and professionally is dependent on the people that we surround ourselves with. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think community has become just huge, right? I think it's it's really there's there's this trust that goes on inside of community that I think, you know, we sort of vaguely kind of brush over, but I think it's becoming more and more critical for where I mean, I even see it as it relates to direct to consumer and that's like 50% of our overall business is direct to consumer and so I'll look at data around, you know, keto for example and how there's just this trust in keto communities on recommending that is so incredibly high. And yet, you know, you can live in a different part of the country. You can have a different socioeconomic background. You can be a different gender. And it really doesn't matter because you both like keto. And it's just, it's fascinating. And I think the list to some extent has that as well. Well, the list is the list is amazing to me, and I'll just give everybody a little background. Mm-hmm. The list is a ten-year-old, digital-first, digital-only community. So, really, such a pioneer in that space. Um, if you think back to 2010 when it was founded, like we weren't talking about digital communities, and it is a group of high-impact women in media, technology, and entrepreneurship, and business, and. These, I remember the first time that I joined the list and I watched the conversations go by and I was terrified to jump in. I described it as like (laughs) double Dutch. Like I didn't know where to insert myself. And it was, everybody is so impressive. And it took me a while even to introduce myself to the group to understand. But I remember thinking that I had no idea that the depth of conversations that were being had um, in this community could be had among high impact professional women. The women in my network, when I was editor in chief at Hearst, we were all lovely and friendly and we saw each other at cocktail parties and maybe occasionally would call each other up and say like, Hey, I've got this sticky issue. Probably not. Um, But we were not in each other's corners, the way the women of the list are and in all parts of your life, right. From, um, 
from kind of nuts and bolts transactional, who has a videographer that they can recommend for a project? Mm-hmm. Um, who know? I know there's a, there's a question that comes up all the time. I need an accountant, right? We're always trading great yeah. um, financial advisors and accountants, but then conversations about aging parents and about children and about fertility and about deeply complicated issues at the intersection of ambition and life that are just mind blowing to me yeah that women are having these conversations giving each other trusted advice it's it is so deeply rewarding just to be a member of this group yeah and it 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 really is but i think i've thought a lot about this in particular over the last few weeks and obviously you know i f- i have the same feelings that you do about the list i mean it's it's just amazing uh what rachel and glennis you know built and even i i think i joined 10 years ago i think it was just getting started so even every year it was getting bigger and bigger and you know growing it was it was just in you know incredible um and the people that have joined as well are just incredible but i think it's just fascinating and it's just it really speaks to this need that people have too of finding you know you say the list and it's just kind of you've got people who are able to share about their parents because you're part of the list yeah it's shorthand and you're tested, it is. you're vetted everybody yeah. like if somebody says they're a member of the list, you're like, okay, great. Come on in. Come sit yeah. to me. You know, can I have the name, like you said, can I have the name of an accountant, but also can I share a story with you where I don't know that you would necessarily share a story if you work with somebody, right? You know, and it's just, and it's fascinating to me. And it's the same, it's different, but it's the same as these environments built around keto or built around, I'm a new parent. and And you see it, in social and some of these groups. Anyway, I'm just super fascinated by it and and the influence that these groups have too. And there's this trust. And I think it's it's uh it's amazing and super helpful on so many levels. And uh anyway, I'm I'm uh it's where my head is a, a lot these days. Well I'll tell you what I think is so hard about what you do right? Like I've just been an admirer of yours and followed your career and read your book and listened to your podcast. And the way that you have carved your path, a path that no one else, you weren't following anyone else's lead. You had a vision. Mm -hmm. You, you, you talk about how you kind of made it up as you went along, right? There was no clear cut path. That is an incredibly hard thing to do. And you need support from other people who are doing really hard things because you, yeah. there is no one you can turn to that has done what you have done and can say to you, Kara, this is how it's going to go down because that doesn't exist. What you need are a, are a team of experts, a huge squad that is devoted to helping you achieve and succeed. And it can help you pick out some of those really complicated questions that only you, that you feel like only you are facing because you're doing something so hard and pioneering. And that to me, like, I think I suspect that's what brings the people together in the keto community, right? It's not everybody who's interested in keto and they're going, they're they're experiencing issues that, um, or questions that they need to, to be devoted to other people. So the fact that that to me is the power of community period, that's, that is when I was at 17, I felt like we were a community of young women 
who wanted to make our mark on the world. And when I say we, it's funny, I really didn't see a different, I'm clearly not, was not a teenager when I ran (laughs) that magazine, but I felt like they were my friends. I didn't see a difference. I wasn't trying to be their big sister, be their aunt, be their, be, be their mentor. I wanted to be their friend. And I felt like what they wanted most in the world was to make their mark on the world on their mm-hmm. own terms. That's where that, that's where that on their own terms idea came from. And then with the big life, it was a community of young women who saw power and success differently. And the, they felt like they were fighting against other generations who didn't see them as powerful and successful people who rolled their eyes. Ugh, millennials. I can't believe we have to talk about millennials again. And here they were millennials who were like, we are changing what it means to be powerful and successful in the world. Please respect us. And then for the, just to connect the dots from 17 to the badass babes and the big life to new power media and the list, the women of the list, you and the women of the list are the icons of building a life on your own terms, right? You are the pioneers. You have been paving the way. So it will be easier for the next generation of women who are coming up behind you to see, they're going to see a path for entrepreneurship and for entrepreneurship and having a family and a successful personal life, which is not frankly what a lot of previous generations of women have been able to show us. And so it, and so that's how the dots of community and pioneering women doing hard things and, and banding together with other women to change the world and to make their mark on the world. Um, that's the through line that I see in the work I do that connects oh, I, absolutely. all ages. I absolutely love it. You know, it's, it's interesting. It could probably even be a whole different podcast, but something you just talked about, about, uh, you know, the millennial generation, 70% of our workforce is millennials today. And uh, I really thank the millennials for bringing things to the forefront, including the fact that they want to work in an environment. They want to have, you know, some work-life balance. Flexibility. They want flexibility. Mental health is doesn't mean you're crazy, right? That you're a bad person, that you need to be fired. You're not going to be able to be dependable. All of these kind of things, I think, are really, really important. What fascinates me about this generation is, and something I didn't expect. So when my book came out, it was clearly, you know, great for people who are entrepreneurs and starting companies. I started hearing from a number of millennials. I'm a Gen Xer. And I started hearing from a lot of millennials who said, thank you for writing this book, because there aren't a lot of female executives who are Gen Xers who are actually saying it wasn't easy. And there were choices that I made along the way. And there were failures that I had along the way. And I never thought about that when I wrote this book. And it's something that's kind of been sitting with me as a bit of a responsibility. There are a lot of men who have written business books who are saying, uh, you know, I did this company, maybe I, you know, made a few mistakes here and there, but for the most part, it was great. If you read my book, you'll read that there's some hairy times along the way. And, you know, 
thankfully it's growing and everything's great. But there were moments. I have four kids. I started the company with four kids under six. It was, you know, a choice, right? That I did that. But it wasn't always easy. And I w- and I think there need to be more people that are telling the story of the Gen X generation. It's tr- the transparency that millennials demand mm-hmm. and have led is so inspiring and is so different than the culture that you and I grew up in. Like I grew up in this idea of like, it's all happy here, sunshiny. What do you mean? I just, I just fell into this lovely role running a 75 year old iconic multimillion dollar yeah. magazine. Oh, it was a breeze. And that idea of, um, that was a very, that's a very Gen X idea. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, no sweat. Never let them see you sweat. Right. A very Gen X idea. But millennials want to see it all. They want to see the behind the scenes process. They want they want to see the stray hairs and the zits and the sweat. They want to see the sweat. They want to know that there was sweat. Um, and I really appreciate that. I actually think that um, of the things you identified, the flexibility, accountability, diversity, and transparency are the amazing legacies that millennials have given us that we should all, I did a TED talk called, we should all be more millennial, which Mm -hmm. I really think is true. It's for those reasons that they are, they are leading a change, um, that's better for all of us. Yeah, totally. And there's, there's a whole group now that are also struggling with, you know, being inside of a house with, you know, and not knowing when they're going to be able to go back to an office. And where, you know, that person who sat in the desk next to them, it they may not have gone out with them on weekends, but they actually miss them. Yeah. And there is there is a big uh, social network that exists of just going up and hitting the espresso button in your office, right? That there that is, you know, it, it's real, right? And I think that there's a there's something that if, for example, you don't have kids at home and you don't have anybody that maybe you don't totally relate to that. But when you don't have that, um, I think it's, it's really, it's something that I think we all just need to be figuring out and be really, and again, it's 70% of the workforce. We need to listen. They need to, we, you know, we could lead it, but at the end of the day, it's not like you can say, just get over it. You know, this is the way it is. I mean, it's a conversation that I think we need to have more of. So anyway, I could go on and on about it. It's stuff that I that I think about. I'll think about it more this weekend. But anyway, I want to get back to you and talk more about this. So the new power media, I mean, you spoke a bit about this was it has it launched in 2019. But now that you've jumped into the list and and uh, you've got an acquired right group of people that are awesome and and great. What where do you see like what are the big changes that you see in the forefront? Yeah, so the new power media was my way to walk my talk. I had mm-hmm. spent my career talking about how it was my mission to help women step into their power, and new power media was my way of saying I want to create the opportunities and connect you to the jobs and the companies that want to see you rise. Mm-hmm. Um, experts and thought leaders who are changing the conversation about power and success and influence for women. And the list is the ultimate 
expression of that, of women who have stepped into their power. They are the thought leaders, right? This group of women is the thought leaders. And it is my job to elevate and celebrate these thought leaders to connect them to the companies that need their thought leadership, that want to understand what are the themes that are at work for women. It's interesting. In particular, we had a really dynamic conversation recently around the crisis that working families are facing now with um, millions of women out of work um, who, during the pandemic, who have really felt crushed under the weight of the pandemic, been unable to navigate family and career and what, however those decisions made made their way. And um, so many of the women who are leading that conversation in the world are on the list. And we were having that conversation on the list first. Uh, Reshma Sajani and Eve Rodsky and Amy Nelson at The Riveter. Um, I wrote the cover story for Parents Magazine um, interviewed. Which was so good, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. So good. Um, And interviewed Dr. Marianne Cooper, who is also on the list. She is the lead researcher on uh, the Lean In Reports and Women in the Workplace Reports. And we are all so focused on this next moment about what is going to happen to women in the workplace. But the point is that it's New Power Media's role to connect women who are leading these kinds of conversations to companies that need to hear about the crisis that women are facing, about the kinds of solutions that are bubbling up. And so that's the role that New Power Media will play in the mental health space, in the crisis facing working families, in technology, the the experts, we have the experts and we want to connect them to um, the companies that need their expertise. I love it. So one of the things that uh, I've seen you do is obviously you've had a great career path and uh, you know, you're, you've, you've really figured out what you want to do next. And I think so many people are in that space, especially in 2021, trying to figure out, doesn't matter what generation they're a part of, but trying to figure out what do I do next? And, you know, maybe, maybe figuring out, is it something in a different career? Is it, uh, you know, staying in the same career? I mean, what advice would you give to people who are kind of looking for their their next step, their mission. I mean, what what do you what do you tell your friends? What do you tell people? You know that maybe your mentor. I mean, what do you think is the kind of the easy steps? So above my head here, which I don't think you can see, I have no. A, I have a quote. Let me see if I hold on. I'm going to move my camera so you can see it. Awesome, <laughs> perfect. It says, "Be fearless, try everything, and don't plan too much." And that has really become my mantra that I am not a great big planner. I don't have a five-step plan to get from where I am to where I want to be. I have, I have like a short-term plan and a long-term vision, but I really find that if you are curious and thoughtful and understand your needs, right? Your needs for money or your needs for um, security or your needs to be in front of other people that you can explore in to new territory. And that's what, that's what feeds me is just the exploration. What's next? What's new? Where can we go from here? 
The curiosity. It is the curiosity. And look, I recognize that it can also be terrifying and fill you with doubt and mm-hmm. make you and make you feel small and overwhelmed when you're faced with the what do I do next question. But I'm also of the philosophy that if you don't try to to honor yourself, right? If you know that something is going to make you feel small or is undermining you or makes you feel like it's a slog, that maybe you maybe you can do it for a little while, but it's not going to be long-term sustainable and that you have to honor whatever it is inside you that's driving you. Um, so true. In the end, that's what matters the most. I absolutely agree. And when you think about it, I love your small steps and just trying. And it's, uh, it, I think that so often when we make things, when we think to ourselves, oh, we're going to go try something that we do build it up into verse, instead of actually the small steps that you talked about and really um, just going and trying and and knowing. So I was saying to somebody the other day, I remember when my dad, uh, something I talk about in the book is he never really had the courage to leave his job. And he was of a different generation where, you know, when you were, can you imagine when you were 21 years old, if you graduated from college, that you were trying to make a decision for your whole life? right? Most people had one job, maybe two jobs, but you had to be able to answer a few questions. And I mean, how stressful that would be versus today, right? It's, I mean, it's really, you know, I I say this to my kids. I'm like, you just go figure out what you think you want to do. And guess what? You can actually change, right? It's like, I mean, I know people who even went to graduate school, went to law school, went to medical school, whatever. And it's just, it's still, they still change, right? And that's, and it's fine with everybody that you do that, which I think is just, you know, amazing. People, I think building, building this up to be, to think that it's some giant decision is Mm. uh, really often prevents you from actually trying. So, but I love, I I love, I just want to tell you, I love the story about your dad that even though he knew he needed the security of a job job and Mm -hmm. um, didn't take the risk to be, to run his own business, that he was able to feed that entrepreneurial spirit to launch new products and to create new businesses. And at the same time, recognize like he had a family that needed to be supported I think there is such a drive these days for entrepreneurship, especially among young women who are, who don't see a system ahead of them that honors them, right? They're like, oh, this is not, this system doesn't work for me. And at the same time, it is terrifying to be an entrepreneur, right? To, to, it's terrifying to jump. It's terrifying totally. to believe in yourself and to know that you can do it and to gather a team and to be okay with not getting it right. All of those things. Yeah. And I think that it's so true. There's a lot of other ways to honor that spirit of wanting to pay, of carve your own path. That if you, it's okay if you can't jump, right? If you can't jump in with both feet, maybe, and maybe totally. you will in your next act. Yeah. And I, I tell people that all the time. I have people who joined Hint and they have no interest in ever running a company. Zero. And they know that about themselves, but they actually love being in an entrepreneurial spirit. They love being 
a part of a team of people that is, you know, changing the world around health and around, you know, changing an industry and they're very interested in it, but they also don't want to go raise money. They don't want to get the phone calls on weekends trying to deal with who knows what, right? But I always say to them, I think it's amazing that you know that about yourself, right? And you can actually still join a company and you don't have to be the CEO of the company or in a C-suite role. And I think I think that that's another thing that if you think maybe you want to go do that eventually, going and joining a company and trying to figure out what it's like too, and being very clear. It doesn't mean that you couldn't. It's just, it's a choice. Yes. And and more than anything. So, well, I've loved this conversation, Anne, and uh, we should we should chat more. Maybe we'll get on a clubhouse one day and talk more <laughs> about uh, about some millennial uh, how to lift millennials. And and Amen. I think it's right. I feel like a lot of that is is still to be done, and responsibility of the of you know, the generations while I'm still in the workforce, I think it's something that I really do want to shed light on what I know and how I feel about it, because I agree with you. It's not, I think that oftentimes they're not sort of what they've brought to the system is pretty incredible. So absolutely. We can talk about our Gen X angst. Yes. I love it. Millennials and Gen Z. Well, thanks everyone. And uh, Anne, where do people find you, by the way? Oh, you can find me at Anne Choquet on Insta, on Twitter. Um, you can find the list at theli.st. Which is so great. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks everyone. And we'll see you soon. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, But achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.